It's not in California, Italy, or France. Until a few years ago, I never would have guessed I could find some truly incredible wine right in my own backyard. Let's meet Virginia, Hamlet that is, creator of this exceptional operation in Bassett, Virginia. I want to welcome Virginia Hamlet to the Cultural Scavenger. On her website, Hamlet Vineyards, she says that she is mother to lots of boys and about 4,000 vines. And she also says, we're just wine drinkers like everybody else. That is a very understated and clever bio. You guys have created just a wonderful thing with Hamlet Vineyards. Now, you come from a very storied family here in the area. Your dad was Dudley Walker, who was a titan in the textile industry and a great philanthropist. And Virginia, I met your husband, Butch, before I met you. I knew he was a NASCAR driver, but I didn't know he was a pilot until he flew me to Richmond for an for an economic development meeting right after <laughs> my election to the Henry County Board of Supervisors. So with that, how did you decide to become a vintner? It really wasn't something I was expecting. My training is in architecture. I had done architectural work for a long time, and I really loved it. But when the recession hit in 2008, I knew I was going to be bored for a long time. And we actually, we were at a business meeting, and there was a visioning exercise, and they talked to us about, where do you think you'll be in 10 years? Well, I kept thinking the recession might not even be over in 10 years. Yeah. But I did write this very wistful thing about living on a vineyard in Virginia and growing grapes and sounded great, but it wasn't anything I ever expected to do. About a year later, I saw an ad in the paper for a class on winemaking at the community college. And it reminded me of that visioning exercise we had done. And I probably wouldn't have paid any attention to it, except that I thought, well, you know, I said I was going to be growing grapes in Virginia. Maybe I ought to go learn how to make wine. And that was the beginning of it. You know, I think I saw that one, too. I mean, it's been a while, but it was, hey, vineyards are the way to go. It's it's a new gig and people can do it. And my first encounter with, with a Virginia winery was at Chateau Morissette up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And they've got a beautiful venue. The first wine that I tasted there, it was very sweet. You know, every variety was like, well, maybe it's the climate. Maybe I, I don't know. At that point, it was like, now nah, I'm going to stick to California wines. I, I'm not sure about this whole Virginia <laughs> wine, regional wine thing. Um, and then there was a trade show and I tasted your wine. It was like, this tastes like real California wine. I mean, this is stuff is great. So I guess the question is, obviously, it's not the climate or the uh, the soil. It's the grape, right? Well, really and truly, it's it's the style of wine that you're trying to make. And we, we started as a grower for Chateau Morissette, and they were invaluable to us as helping us learn how to grow and learning our craft. I'm grateful to them, but they let us go one year with our Pinot Gris right at harvest. And we scrambled around and found a winemaker that would help us make Pinot Gris. Mm. And we made about 50 cases. And I think we sold out in about two weeks. And we realized then that being a grower was not what we wanted to do because we couldn't control the end product. At that time, Chateau Morissette made sweet wines and they made lovely dry wines. 
but they made more money selling the sweet wines, I guess. I guess so, because um, that's what I tasted. <laughs> so anyway, we um, learned that we wanted to make European dry style wines, and that's what we like to drink. And I, my hope was that people in this region mm-hmm. could love and appreciate them the way that we did. Um, originally, we weren't going to have any sweeter options, but we did learn that there's a customer base around here that likes a sweeter wine. So we make a lovely dessert wine mm-hmm. that's an option for those people. But my focus is definitely the grapes that we planted and the way that we make wine is for dry European style wines. And it's end to end. You have control over it from the time it's in the ground to the time it gets into the bottle. And we like to say the wine is made in the vineyard and we have been really diligent with our canopy management and how we manage the grapes that we present the cleanest fruit. And every year, even our winemaker is like, I don't know how you all are doing it, but your fruit is beautiful. We don't have to do anything in the winery to fix this. It, it comes in clean and we're just translating it into the bottle. So um, that always makes me feel really good. I've had a good time joining you picking grapes. <laughs> <laughs> had, this, had this vision of, you know, we picked the Tom grapes. Tom Sawyer painting the fence. That's right. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But what you do is you take the grapes that you harvest, then go where? We, our winemaker is in Charlottesville, which is really the heart of the industry in Virginia. So we have great talent there. Michael Shapps has been helping us since our first vintage. And the grapes go to Charlottesville. They're refrigerated overnight to cool them down, bring them down to temperature, and we start the press the next day. It's a wonderful marriage that we have with Michael. He's helped us win a lot of awards that we've been, has helped our reputation. We're a little bit in a a vacuum of vineyards down here in Southwest Virginia. So we don't have as many other people to bounce ideas off of. So being connected to that world in Charlottesville has been a great advantage. This isn't just a process of you slap a bunch of vines in the ground and then just sit back and watch. This is really a lot of work to make sure that it that it all comes out right. You did a lot of homework, obviously, before you started this. Did you realize that it was going to be this labor-intensive to make a good wine? Well, originally, when I started taking classes, um, Butch asked me, he goes, you sure do take a lot of classes. What are you going to do with all that information? And I said, oh, my gosh, don't ruin this for me. I just love it. Um, You know, please, I'm just having a great time. And he said, no, I think we ought to think about doing something. Like, we have land. Maybe we should make this a business. And then I thought, oh, it's hard work. There are bugs involved. There are sprays involved. It's just complicated. And he said, well, I might like some of that stuff. So why don't you let me look into it? And really, it was such baby steps. We, I, I never thought it would work out. Every time we would look at something, we would test the soil. I'm like, this is going to be the problem. Or we'd look at the, um, the way the vineyard should be sited. It lined up perfectly with our beautiful old barn. I was like, oh, my God, everything fell into place so nicely that we finally just took a leap of faith. But it was baby steps. We planted half the vineyard the first year, learned what we were doing, planted half the next year. And then we didn't start making one for a couple of years. So we ne- we didn't jump into it. You know, our first tastings were in our house. People would come up and say, we want to taste the wine. We'd be so excited. We'd say, oh, come to our dining room. We'd love to have you. <laughs> um, 
But that led to building a tasting terrace and then renovating our barn and, and then ultimately starting our own catering company with Hamlet Kitchen. So it's been 12 years and there's probably been a project every 18 months to get us to that point. So we didn't overwhelm ourselves. We did at one point look at expansion and realize, you know, we're so happy doing what we're doing. Why expand and add to the workload? This is just perfect. And Butch traded a race car for a tractor. He did. Um, and the tractor goes a lot slower, and I think it's a lot safer. <laughs> I think breaking nearly every bone in your body might uh, cure you of racing. So. <laughs> you mentioned that you didn't make any wine for a couple of years, right? So how long right. does it take to get to the point where you have something to taste and drink? The fun part is people who have not been involved in agriculture have no idea what the growing season is. And they'll call me and say, when are you going to harvest? Is it anytime soon? And it'll be like April. Um, And I realize, oh, they're not familiar with farms, are they? (laughs) So um, our season starts in earnest in February. We do some heavy-duty pruning on the vines. And that's just a real beautiful time of renewal, taking six to eight feet of old vine, cutting it off, and starting new. So every year I feel like I get a fresh start with our vines. We have bud break in the spring. The vines grow all summer long. We have a wonderful long growing season here. And we usually expect to start harvesting in September and October. We deal with frost in the spring. We deal with insects and birds in the summer. We deal with hurricanes and terrible weather in the fall. This one little perfect time in August when the days start to cool off and I just like to walk out in the vineyard because I know pretty soon we're going to be picking our fruits. It really, it's a beautiful process. Unfortunately, last year it was disrupted by four freezes in the spring and the first year in our existence, we had no fruit, zero. That was just added to the excitement of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Once the vines are in the ground, can they live in perpetuity once they're in they're in grapevines have a, an amazing life and they can live a hundred years and wow. they can be beautiful their production starts to decline after about 20 to 25 years mm-hmm. so most commercial vineyards are going to be looking at a rotation um, and replanting of older acreage if they're concerned about their production levels considering ours have been in for 10 to 12 years I'm thinking the next person is going to be replacing my vines. <laughs> <laughs> but you're um, not retiring anytime soon. No, not retiring. Getting geared up for this season. A beautiful day like today makes me want to run out in the vineyard and get going. <laughs> I know. And you you have such a wonderful setting there. I mentioned Chateau Marset had such a great venue. You guys, it's just idyllic. You've got the barn, the vineyards are right there. It's it's the perfect setting. And there's a reason why you've had such success in creating a new project every 18 months. Because I remember you started the tasting sessions, then you expanded the patio. The wine and water Wednesdays was a great Lots idea. Unfortunately, you know, COVID pretty much put the kibosh on all of that stuff this year. But And then the restaurant and the catering service. Ten years ago, did you think that was going to be an option? (laughs) Never in my wildest dreams. Well, did I think I was going to be in the food business? But we really saw that the pairing of wine and food was critical. We started serving lunches at the vineyard, and it really increased our business dramatically. Uh, We used to have people that would come in the afternoons and sip. But once we started having lunch, they would come have lunch. A second group would come in the afternoon and sip. And 
And we realized we just needed to be in control of that business. Plus, our primary business is special events and parties, mm. um, which has been a little different in 2020. But yeah controlling the catering for that as well. So having a commercial kitchen became really important and it gave us another venue to sell our wine. So saying the nice thing about COVID is, is not right. And what I mean to say, but for us, the vineyard has been a safe place for people to go during a very difficult time. You can be outdoors. There's fresh air. We can provide distance for people and they can relax and feel comfortable. So, and luckily with the kitchen, we were able to provide food and entrees to go for people who were tired of cooking. So we got lucky in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was uh, unintended consequences, but in a good way. Serendipitous. <laughs> Sometimes good things come out of uh, out of hardship. And speaking of another venue to sell your wines. Primarily we're shipping in Virginia because that's, the people that know us, and and that's where we have our reputation. Well, and you only have so much capacity, too, right? Right. We do often run out of our wines, which we've tried to increase our capacity. Luckily, 2019 was the greatest vintage that we've ever had in terms of quantity and quality. So we're still reaping the benefits of the 2019 vintage. <laughs> You were talking about the types of wine that you grow and the grapes that you grow. How did you decide on the varieties and how did you decide this is going to be our home run? This is going to be our signature wine. I think the Vignet, that is what you're known for. Did you know that was going to be a winner from the get-go or was it just like first time you tasted it? How is this going to go over? Oh, this is the one. (laughs) Well, originally we were planning to be a commercial vineyard. We were just going to sell our grapes. So it was a matter of what was needed in the state and what were we going to get a good price for? We knew Chardonnay was overplanted. We didn't want to plant Chardonnay. Viognier is the state grape of Virginia and has a storied tradition here. So we felt like that was important to grow Viognier. We were thrilled that our Viognier is is so delicious. That's just been a bonus. Pinot Gris was not a popular grape to grow in Virginia. Now we understand a little bit why. It's a little tougher to grow in the heat, but it has made a crisp, delicious wine that I love. We've perfected the canopy management on that. The reds, of course, I needed to have beautiful reds for blending for Bordeaux-style varietals. So Merlot, Petit Verdot, Cabernet Sauvignon, and now we've added Cabernet Franc. Those are four stalwarts in the vineyard for reds. So really from those six grapes, we can make we currently have nine different wines. We could make a hundred different wines. Wow. So we've been very lucky, but I will say there was paralysis by analysis in the beginning. And finally, we just said, daggone it, we got to pick some. <laughs> and we planted them. <laughs> and it's been a family affair. Butch is uh, very much involved and it looks like he's having a ball, but, but your boys are into it as well. They were. And I look at pictures of um, our youngest are the twins and... They were young preteen boys when we were planting the vineyard. Now they're grown men off on their own careers. And we've also raised several young men from South America who we've been fortunate enough to have in our household for a long time. And they all worked in the vineyard side by side with us. And we've just had the time of our lives. But everyone, when they come home, they know they will not be sitting still. Put your right to work. It's time to hang up your your Vintner hat. Do you think that the boys, uh, are they into it as as much as you are? 
Well, that's a great question. I do hope that someone would have an interest in in taking it on, but I have one son, Lee, who has an incredible palate. I go to him often when I'm doing tasting notes or, or tasting different blends. His palate is so perfect. It'll be interesting to see who might be interested in it. <laughs> You've got a terrific gig going there. To me, it is an oasis and something that has been just a, a ray of sunshine in this community. Barbara and I are getting our second vaccine shots day after tomorrow. <laughs> so, Yay! So, Congratulations! Yeah, well, we'll be able to get out and about, and uh, you have wine tastings and lunch every Sunday. At- From 1 to 5, we're open every Sunday, and uh, and we also have our wine available Monday through Friday at Hamlet Kitchen. You can stop by there and have a glass of wine or share a bottle with a friend and have some snacks. So um, we really are available six days a week if people are interested in sipping. And we, we really want to be, I say, both locations, just a community living room. I, I want people to just come and feel comfortable and hang out. Sit and sip is what I like to say. It's one of the greatest pieces of economic development that this community has seen. Wonderful success story. Congratulations. Thank you for doing all of this. It's so meaningful for the community and for me and for Barbara. We love it. So much continued success, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, and we look forward to sharing some time with you again. Check out Hamlet Vineyards and all of their great wines at hamletvineyards.com. Well, that's the story. A special acknowledgement to Mary Ann Kennedy, Pat Bunch, and Pam Rose for allowing me to use their music from Safe in the Arms of Love, a song Allison loved. If you liked what you heard, please share my podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, why not subscribe? And I'd sure appreciate a great rating in Apple Podcasts, too. I'm Andy Parker, and I'll be here next week with another episode of The Cultural Scavenger. Thanks for listening.